Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is Stacy Lindis from the Podcast PD Podcast, and you're about to have your mind filled with googly awesomeness. When you're done, stop by podcastpd.com for more anytime, anywhere professional development on the go. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Hey, Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And so Casey and I have been doing these shows for now 42 episodes. And we started to realize that you only get to experience the show from your side of the podcast, your side of the earbuds or the speakers or whatever. And so we thought that it might be fun to turn the camera around a little bit, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, just give you a little bit of the behind the scenes of, of what this all looks like from our side. So, um, yeah, we, we basically are just, you know, sitting here in our offices. I know for me, I'm in my office at my standing desk. Um, I don't know if we have any other, uh, standing desk lovers out there in the tribe, but I always crank mine up to the top and like to stand up while we record. And, uh, what does it look like for you over there, Casey? So I don't have the standing desk. However, I do have, I can't even remember what it's called. I have this little exercise device under the desk. It's like a bicycle. Oh, nice. Um, So it sort of replicates that. Although I can't do it while we're talking because it, it makes noise and I'm just not that coordinated. So <laughs> it requires all of my brain power to think about the podcast. But but yeah, so I'm surrounded by, uh, you know, typical things here, books and stacks of paper. I got my big Yeti full of iced tea because I'm that Southern nice. girl who's got to have my iced tea. And, and I heard Matt smacking on something a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So that so that a, that's how we roll. Um it's a good thing this is not a video podcast. I'll just say that. Yeah, I've heard Casey say a number of times I'm not ready for prime time. So it, it we we keep it as an audio. And in case anybody's wondering, we use this great tool called Zencaster to record. Um and we love Zencaster. It's at z e n c a s t r.com and it's free. We use the free plan and the thing that I love about it is that even if our internet signal breaks down, it records all of the audio files on our devices so that it's not actually recording kind of like a Skype call or a Google Hangout. It's actually recording an audio file on my computer that will upload and then we sync them all together later. So if you've ever thought about doing a podcast, I totally, totally recommend using Zencaster. So that's yet another one of those pieces behind the scenes that you never actually see. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And then Chris reveals the other things that uh, end up in the bloopers that are apparently behind the scenes that, right, that everybody yeah. else gets exposed to the, to those as well. So uh, just a little bit of, of what it takes to put the Google Teacher Tribe podcast together. So you yeah. ready to get this one going, Matt? Yeah, let's go from backstage to front stage and let's get back and back on track. <laughs> Yes. So inside today's episode, we're going to take a look at some Google Classroom time savers. So we know Google Classroom is one of your most favorite applications in G Suite, and it it is ours too. So we just have some great little tips and tricks that we want to share to help save you time because we know this is the time of year when you need to save extra time. This This is the winter doldrums. This is gearing up for testing for a lot of us in the U.S. So we just want to give you some tips and tricks to help you get through it. And of course, we've got some fabulous Google news and updates and our mailbag from our listeners and a couple of things from our blogs to share. You ready to get going? I am ready. Let's do it. So let's kick this off with some Google news and updates. And the first thing we want to talk about has to do with Chromebooks. We know a lot of you that use Google in the classroom do use Chromebooks. And we uh, we got a sort of a little post from Google talking about some of the new Chromebooks that are coming out. And instead of talking about, you know, all the different models and the brands and everything, I thought the most important thing in this post, for me at least, was that they talked about some of the features that are starting to be pretty common in some of these some of these newer Chromebooks. And so you've got cameras on two sides on some of them. You've got stylus capability, larger screens, laptops that flip into tablets. Of course, you've got the touchscreen Chromebooks too. And so as Chromebooks continue to evolve and get better, these are some of the things that we'll start to see more and more and more. And I know for me, whenever I see something like this, it's just nice to know that, you know, when I got my Chromebooks in my classroom, they weren't the top of the line ones. It wasn't like the Cadillac of Chromebooks, but just like anything else, like cell phones and TVs and any other kind of technology, all of those brand new features eventually go mainstream. And so I'm kind of excited about the potential of having a good stylus, you know, kind of like those uh, Wacom styluses that uh, do a better job than just with your your finger. And then, of course, you've got the ability to flip your um, your Chromebooks into tablets and use those mobile devices. I know we're we're starting to make some progress in that direction, and I think that that'll be huge as far as education goes. So those those are some of the some of the takeaways from from some of those new Chromebooks. I think. I definitely prefer my newer Chromebook to that first edition that I had as well. So the I have the Samsung Pro now that does have a stylus, and I will say it's very responsive. And so yeah. uh, I think Chromebooks have come a long way. That's the bottom line. And keeping in mind that these newer Chromebooks are going to be compatible with Android apps as well. So we're really going to bridge that gap again between mobile devices and and laptops slash Chromebooks to actually bring those two worlds together. So I'm excited to see see these coming out and to see when these actually get implemented in schools. We all know uh, funding is always part of that cycle. So uh, we'd love to hear your opinions as well. If you're trying out any of these new ones, please share that with us. I have an interesting article from the Keyword blog to share today. And this one actually came out 
a, a little while ago, January 23rd, Tools for Every School G Suite for Education updates, which seems really exciting, right? We're like, oh, yay, we're going to get some updates. We're going to get some new stuff. Well, what they introduced has been somewhat controversial. So they have introduced G Suite Enterprise for education, and it's not free. So um, not completely free, like what we're used to with the, the regular G Suite for education. So they've added these additional features that you can sort of upgrade to. And so that's that's become a hot topic I, I see both sides of it. I don't, I don't really feel like, you know, we're not going to debate that in the podcast today, but just want you to know that that's available because it does have to do with a lot of different things like security and some of those more advanced controls uh, for the admin panel in your G Suite for Education domain. So if you haven't heard about this, be sure that you go check out the link to this blog post with all the details in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 42. We've got a little bit of news about Google Play and specifically about audiobooks on Google Play. And I know that um, research out there talks about the the benefits of students doing independent reading um, outside of the classroom. And, you know, another way to make some of that independent reading accessible is to use audiobooks. And audiobooks have been kind of around on Google Play for a while, but now you know, they're available in 45 countries and nine languages, and they're pretty easy to use. So it might be something worth checking out. It says that we're able to listen without a subscription. I know if you subscribe to a service like Audible, then you pay once a month and you get X number of credits towards books. Um, but with this, it says you can buy a single audiobook at an affordable price with no commitments. You can preview it to make sure that it's just right. You can even connect with a Google Assistant by asking your Google Assistant, read my book, uh, and then even transfer to a different device. So you can start on one device and then pick up where you left off, no matter what device you're using. So, so if you're into audiobooks, if they have any sort of connection to your class, uh, this is one of those things to kind of keep in mind that if you want to be able to do it without a subscription and to make it available on your Google-related devices, this is definitely a good way to do that. And, of course, we've got links to all of the things we've been talking about here and our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 42. Okay, Tribe, let's dig into some tips and tricks and all kinds of fun little tools that help us make Google Classroom even better and save us tons of time, right? It's already a time saver, I think, within itself. If you think about Google Classroom and managing assignments before we had Google Classroom was kind of a nightmare, <laughs> right, Matt? It oh, just, yeah. it just, you know, things just sort of came to life when we got Google Classroom. It was a breath of fresh air. I really, that's, that's how I describe mm -hmm. it. But mm -hmm. I have a couple of things that I want to share that have to do with using Google Chrome extensions to help you with Google Classroom. And the first one is the Share to Classroom extension. And what it does, it does actually several things. So once you go to the Chrome Web Store and install it, by the way, this one is made by Google. It's called the Share to Classroom extension. And you can go in there and you can go from a web page and turn that web page into an assignment just by clicking on the extension. So you can you can create all kinds of things. You can share those web pages not only in an assignment, 
But you can also do this magical thing where you push out a web page to all of the devices in your classroom. So, you know, if on the fly I've decided, oh, I just discovered this, you know, current event article or something that just came out, we're all going to look at it whole class. I can push out this link and the website will automatically load on all of my students' devices. So one, I think that's great, especially for the little ones who have a lot of trouble typing in links and that sort of thing, but also just good on the fly because sometimes getting all of your kids on the same page at the same time can be a struggle. Now, it will interrupt whatever they're doing. So just keep that in mind. But that's one of the things that teachers really like about that extension is the the ability to push it out. And so when you click on the extension, you'll see all the options to to push it and which class within classroom you want to do it. But you can also, like I said, create an assignment, uh, ask a question, make an announcement. So you can do all of those things very quickly just by using the extension and not having to separately go open classroom, copy and paste links and do all those sorts of things. Yeah, that's that's huge. I know I remember when that came out, um, you know, that saved us a ton of time of just having to do all of that manually and the flexibility that it's got to be able to push things out is huge, too. So, yeah, that's definitely a good one. For me, I wanted to switch over to some things you can do while you have um, while you have Google Classroom open. And one of the things that I love to touch on that I think is a huge time saver in many ways is to use keyboard commands. And in Google Classroom, that's no different. And a lot of times I've found myself, before I started thinking about keyboard commands, found myself using the mouse to click and move and click and move and click and move. And of course, you've got to take your hand off of the keyboard over to the mouse, which seems like, you know, first world problems. Like it's not that big of a deal. But after a while, when you find the mouse and you go and you make one little click, it just adds up after time. And so there's some things you can do with your keyboard that will save you, you know, seconds at a time, minutes in a prep hour, you know, eventually will add up to saving hours. Uh, so for instance, when you're entering grades, once you've clicked on one student's grade, you can basically use the arrow keys to go up and down, arrow up and down through there, which is so much faster than clicking and typing. So think about using the arrow keys to kind of like cycle through different text fields. And then tab can also do kind of the same same idea. It can help you move through links and text fields on a page. And then once you get to a place, instead of clicking on it, you just hit the space bar. So I found that hitting tab a certain number of times and then hitting a space bar is a little bit easier, sometimes anyway, than using your mouse. So that might be one that you want to kind of like, um, you know, experiment with. And then another another thing that's kind of nice is if you can figure out how many tabs you have to hit or how many arrows you have to hit to get to the next thing in order. So I remember at one point entering a grade and then hitting tab and tabbing through a couple of things. And it was like three or four times that I'd hit tab and then I'd be to the right spot. So I would enter the next one and then hit tab doop, 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 and then go on to the next one. And doing little things like that can help. But then, of course, you also have your basic ones, your control C for copy, control X for cut and paste is control V. So anyway, any of those any of those basic keyboard shortcuts can really help. But I think using your arrows and your tabs can even save you a little bit of of time as well. And then the the other one that kind of goes along with this to some extent has to do with your email notifications. And I know that Classroom has the potential of being an email beast. 
And if you don't want to get certain emails, then of course you can adjust that if you need to. And so, you know, to, to be able to do that, all you need to do is go find the, the place where you can turn your email notifications on and off. And that's under the menu button under settings. There's, there's some different, uh, ways that you can adjust your notifications. And then I also know in your, um, in your app, if you use the mobile app, you can also dig into the settings and adjust the kinds of push notifications that it sends too. So that's another one of those little ways where if you have less email to check or delete or less push notifications to mess with, then that can save you some time too. Uh, absolutely. And I know that some teachers have some love-hate relationships with those <laughs> email notifications. Right. So yes. they can fill up your inbox, but sometimes they can be very useful as well. I have one keyboard command too that I wanted to tag on to that that I think is my favorite when I'm using Google Classroom. So the stream itself becomes this long, hot mess <laughs> by the end of, you know, like the first six weeks, once you have things in there. And so sometimes it's hard to find um, something that's deep into the stream and using the keyboard command to find, which is controller command F on the keyboard. So you can look for the keyword, the assignment number, whatever it is that that you're looking for. And that helps me find things so much faster inside Google Classroom than, than scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Yeah, and I I would agree with that. I feel like Command F or Control F is the keyboard shortcut that not enough people know about that can have maybe the biggest return on investment, can have the biggest impact, you know? Everywhere. I mean, you can use it on yeah. any kind of website. So if you're looking for a, a certain keyword in an article, like, where are they talking about this? Go find it. Um, yeah, I use that one all the time. So yeah. um, that's, that's one of my favorites. I also wanted to mention another Chrome extension by our everybody's pal, Alice Keeler. <laughs> yeah, Alice Keeler. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking before this, by the way. You can go to the Chrome web store and just search for Alice Keeler, and you're going to get a ton of, of great little helpful uh, extensions and apps and add-ons and everything, but she has this extension called Alice Keeler's Classroom Split. So a uh, split screen is one of my favorite things to do when I'm when I'm trying to be productive, you know, when I'm working on something. We've talked about tab scissors and tab glue on an earlier show, but this one's designed to work with classroom and it's designed for students. So what it's designed to do is to split the screen between the assignment in Google Classroom and the actual work that they're doing on that assignment. So they can see the directions. They can see everything there. They can click on any links. But to be working side by side and see that instead of having to toggle back and forth, which can be very, very useful. Now, I realize some of these kiddos might be on some pretty tiny screens and that might be a little more difficult. But I do think it's a, a pretty brilliant little extension that that Alice has, has shared with us in a way to split the screen that's designed specifically to make it easier for kids and that it works um, simultaneously within Google Classroom. Since we're mentioning some of these uh, tools that she's created, I know um, whenever you're getting ready to grade work, grade student work, and if you've got, let's say, 20 or 25 kids in your class, and instead of opening one document, going through it, and you know maybe writing some comments on, comments on it, and then closing it, sometimes it's just easier to open a bunch of student work at once. Well, Alice has this great Chrome extension called Drive 20. And she told me once that she was joking with somebody at Google because she had said, I just had this Chrome extension created that will open 20 documents all at once out of a Google Drive folder. And he was like, why would anybody want to do that? And Alice is saying, 
just talk to teachers and they're going to want this. And so that's, that's kind of what that does is you find, you go into your Google Classroom folder and you go into the assignment folder with all the student work in it and you can use Drive 20 to pop those open. So that's one way to do it. But another way, another tricky way is to open up the assignment where all of the student work has been submitted. And what you can do is hold down the control key on a Chromebook or a laptop uh, command on a Mac and hold in the control key and just start clicking those icons. Click, 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 click. And so if you click all of them while you hold the control key down, it's going to open all of those up in new tabs. And so that's another way to get a bunch of them open all at once. So if you want to have all of that work available to you right there in the browser all at once, then in all of those separate tabs, that's another trick that you can use. I, I use the command or control click all the time as well. In oh, fact, me too. I think that's something that we really should be teaching students too, because a lot of times in our assignments, we don't always have control over if the link opens in a new window or a new tab. And that always drives me crazy. So it's almost a habit of mine when I'm reading an article that I just go ahead and hold down command when I click on something because I, I don't want to lose where I was. And so as students are researching and they're, you know, they're digging deeper click to click to click and you lose kind of that original place where you started. Um, that's that's one way around it. And, you know, I just again, it's a time saver. So that's another another great little keyboard shortcut. Thank you, Matt. So I have one more link that I want to share with you. Of course, all of our links are in the show notes, googleteachertribe.com slash 42. But I did a blog post uh, several weeks ago about how to package digital assignments. And this is a great set of, of tips if you're using Google Classroom, but it's also great, I think, for just any kind of assignment manager or LMS system that you may be using, because I think these things can save you lots of valuable time in the classroom. So I did put it into sort of this infographic of the 10 10 things to include in your digital assignment package. And the idea here is to put everything in one place for kids. So if that's in Google Classroom, in that assignment has everything they need, every question they're going to ask, everything is right there at their fingertips. Because if it's right there, one, they don't have to interrupt you to ask or interrupt another student. If they're absent, it's all there online. If a parent asks a question, it's all there online. Everything is there. So I like to, you know, eliminate as many excuses as I can <laughs> for my students. But number one was to number assignments. And we've talked about that so many times already on, on the show. But numbering assignments can definitely save you some time and some headaches. And that little keyboard shortcut we mentioned earlier to do the, the command F to find you can search by number and it will save you tons of time when you're trying to locate an assignment in the stream. Number two seems like a duh, <laughs> but include detailed directions. The more details you give them in the directions, the less questions you're going to have, um, the less less amount of interruptions you're going to have and the less excuses. You know, my students always seem to, but you didn't tell us that. You didn't, you didn't tell us we had to do this. Those things are all there. We talk a lot about writing learning goals that are student friendly. And I think if we can include those in that assignment package, that will make the assignment all the more clear for students because they need to know what's the point. Hey, why am I learning this? What, what am I supposed to be learning through this process? So if you can include those, I think that would be a great little bonus. 
Number four is explain how it will be assessed and include a rubric. So again, sort of eliminating those excuses. But, you know, I, I know with, with my students, it was always like, well, we didn't know you wanted us to do this. We didn't know you wanted us to include that. So, you know, explain, be as explicit as possible. It should never be a surprise about how something is going to be assessed or graded if you will. Um, and if you have a rubric, include that rubric and make sure that rubric is, you know, aligned to those learning goals and not about how many bells and whistles were included in the assignment. Um, explaining how much time in class will be given. <laughs> Matt, I had I had some eighth graders who, no matter how hard I tried, would walk in, you know, first of class and I'd say, turn in your work. We thought you were giving us the entire class period to do it. <laughs> mm, I've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, put it there. There's, again, you know, if it's in the assignment, you will be given one hour, you know, to work on it in class. And after that, you have to work it out, you know, outside of class, whatever. Um, due date and time. You have that ability to add time in Google Classroom. So that can be very valuable, especially for those secondary students. Uh, collaboration guidelines. So if you've got got kids collaborating, what are the expectations? You know, are you assigning roles? Who's turning in the assignment? The turn-in process can sometimes be confusing for students and for teachers. You know, do I use the the link that's in the assignment? Do you do I go create something new and then they forget to attach it? All of those different workflows, which may look different for every teacher. Explain it. Once you explain it, you have it. You can copy and paste it into every assignment so that there's never any question. When a new student comes in, they know exactly what's going on. Um, you know, what to do when you finish. So I always had the, Miss, can I play a game because I finished early? In my class, I always had something ready to go that was an enrichment activity or moving on to the, the next uh, step in their learning. So, you know, being able to address that and there never being any question is also great. And then, of course, you don't want to forget any of all those attachments and links now that we're going digital, you know, just to not forget anything. So I just put that together as a way to, to give us some tips. And it sounds like a lot, but I think in the long run, when you do this and you kind of make this a habit, it's going to save you tons of time and heartache in the classroom. And that's really what this episode is all about, <laughs> isn't it? Saving heartache. That's what we want to do and, and saving time. So of course, we'd also be very interested to see any of the time savers that you use with Google Classroom also. So please do share those on Twitter at the GT Tribe hashtag or reach out to us on the website at googleteachertribe.com. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. It is time for the mailbag again, where we get to hear from all of you in the tribe. And Casey, you've got the first one, right? I do. So we've got a speak pipe here from Lissa Brunin, and she is an ed tech professor at Grand Valley State University. And she's got an interesting problem that I'm not sure we have the answers to. So take a listen to this. Hi, Matt and Casey. My name is Lissa Brunin, and I work for Grand Valley State University um, in both the charter school office as a professional development specialist and for the College of Ed as an ed tech professor. Um, I have a thing that's driving me crazy. I love to give extra credit assignments for students who want to go above and beyond. 
However, in Google Classroom, when I create an assignment, I cannot set the points possible to zero. It either has to be ungraded or at one. Can you guys help me out? I really need a way to offer extra credit and don't want to have to remember to add it to other assignments or other projects. Um, I need a good way to track it. And it doesn't seem possible right now, but I'm hoping you know the trick. Thanks so much for all you do. You guys are amazing. Okay. So, Lissa, from what I'm understanding, you are giving some extra credit uh, projects or assignments, I should say, inside Google Classroom. But of course, not everybody's doing the extra credit. So you can't leave it at a zero. So I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I, I haven't had this problem. Have you, Matt? No, not really. Uh, you know, I just jumped into Google Classroom and I thought, well, what if you could make an assignment worth like 0.1 points. And then that would make it pretty close to zero. And so they would get most of the extra credit that way, but it still won't let you do that. The lowest that you can set it, it seems is one point. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a good, because I mean, I could see adding the extra credit onto another assignment, but that didn't sound like that was a good fit for what you wanted to do. So I'll be really interested to hear if anybody in the tribe has an idea for this one. Yeah. So if any of you are, are are facing this problem, maybe you found a little workaround and can help Lissa, please share that with us um, using the, the Google Teacher Tribe website or on Twitter. Of course, you can leave us a voicemail at googleteachertribe.com slash speakpipe. We tend to like those a lot, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And so the next one that we've got comes from Renee Johnson. Renee is from California and she she has a pretty cool idea for a collaborative project. So Renee, take it away and tell us all about it. Hi, Casey and Matt. This is Renee. I teach at a personalized learning public charter school in Oakhurst, California. This is an idea for a collaborative student project. Once students become comfortable with the G Suite apps, I like to give them a more extensive assignment using a variety of apps. This project's all about getting the students' voices out there to promote change. First, they brainstorm ideas on how to improve our school. Once they've decided on a topic, the students share a doc to create questions for a survey that they then add to a Google form. Students, teachers, parents, anyone involved at the school give feedback via the form. The results of the survey go into sheets. And then the students can analyze the data, maybe change their initial idea if necessary, and then choose a chart or two that helps them to make their case. The students create a slide presentation for a specific person or group of people, such as the principal, the tech admin, librarian, or a certain teacher or coach who might be able to help them make their ideas a reality. At a later point in the year, the students might do this project again, but take it out to the larger community and try to create some change there also. Thanks for listening. I enjoy your podcast and keep up the good work. Okay, Renee, thank you so much for sharing this. And I'm, I've got to say, there's a lot of things about this that I really, really like. And I think the, the big one is that we're actually looking in this project for solutions to problems that are actually going on in the school and the community. And when you're able to tie that back into what you teach and be able to let the students do it from beginning to end, they're able to see that they're able to make some positive change too. There's there's really a lot of this that, that I like. So, so Renee, thank you for, for calling in and recording that. Yes, Renee, thank you so much for sharing that. Well, 
I have a special share that is going to take us back to Lissa, who had our, our first speak pipe question here. But Lissa was posting on Twitter, and I just happened to notice it the other day that she was sharing the the podcast with students. And so then I realized that she's she's teaching in higher education here. And so yeah, she, not K-12 students. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so she's sharing this with, you know, pre-service teachers, I'm assuming. Anyway, so I'm like, hey, can I see it? Because that's the first thing I'm going to ask you once you share something. You tell me you're doing something. I want to see it. And so she was nice enough to let us get a sneak peek at these flip grids. So the students were listening to Matt and I, God bless them, and, right. and then they have they have to reflect and and say what they learned from the podcast. But it's such a an honor to to think that we're useful in the the higher education realm as well. So I'm really excited that you shared that with us, Lisa. Thank you so much, and uh, we hope you keep sharing all of the goodness that you're doing, and that we get to make an impact in your world as well. Thank you for that. Okay, just a couple more things to share from the blogosphere. So I have a guest blog post by EdTech Mason, who I believe was on episode uh, 28 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, where he shared his experience of going through the Google Innovator Academy in Sweden. So if you remember Mason, he's a hoot. And he wrote a, a blog post for me on five tips to become a Google certified innovator. So that's a question that Matt and I get a lot. Like, how did you get in and, and what does it take? And so Mason makes it breaks it down into five tips. But, you know, it's it may be a goal of, of many of our listeners to actually become a certified innovator. And I know many of you actually have already gone through that process. Some of us know the heartache of applying and not getting accepted. And many people have to apply several times. So just wanted to give you those tips. And if you're interested in learning more about the certified innovator program, go check it out. Yeah, I, that's that's great. And Mason has, really does have some good ideas here. Um, one that I wrote about recently has to do with something that fits right in with our time savers, and that is voice typing. You know, um, Google Docs, if you go under the tools, it has the voice typing option. But there's also dictation that you can do on a lot of smartphones. I know with my Android phone, if you pull up the keyboard like you're going to type something, there's a little microphone. And so then you can speak. And I've started using it over the last week or two. I've started using it more often, and I realize how much faster... I can type with my voice than I can with my thumbs or even with my regular keyboard. And it started to dawn on me that I don't know hardly anybody that does this and the potential for the amount of time we can save is huge. So I wrote a blog post about how you can do it, but also I've got a a challenge. So I'm calling it the voice typing challenge. What you can do is sign up for a series of emails that are just kind of like reminders that give you little challenges a couple of times a week of how you can use voice typing to start to build that habit. And I really believe that if we started using this a little bit more, that we could get emails knocked out faster. We could get text messages replied. We can even write in documents and get that done a lot faster. So something worth checking out. Uh, there's a There's a link in the show notes, of course, to the whole blog post.
Well Tribe. I think that puts a bow on this episode about Google Classroom time savers. So hopefully you're going to be racking up the minutes and the hours that you spend that you're able to save uh, by using Google Classroom and, and trying some of these things out. And Casey, I think there were some some pretty good ones, even from the little bitty ones that might save seconds up to a lot more than that. Absolutely. And y'all share with us, too. We want to know what saves you time. Yes. Yeah. All the tips and tricks. Googly, not googly. Classroom, not classroom. I'm always about learning new things. So that's why I love the tribe and love hearing from you. So so please keep in touch. Uh, tweet us and share with us on social media or leave us a speak pipe. Hint, hint. Right. We do kind of love those. And of course, if you haven't left us a rating and review on iTunes, we would love that. Um, That, of course, does let other people find the show a little bit easier. So we thank you so, so, so much for listening. We really do this for you. We love having you out there. We love hearing from you. And we know that we're all in this together. So we will see you on another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.